Hello and welcome to the South Carolina Lead. I'm your host, Gavin Jackson, and this episode was recorded on January 3rd, 2023 from South Carolina Public Radio Studios here in Columbia. Just so you know, some of the information in this podcast may have changed by the time you've heard it. This episode features a look at one state senator who started the new year with a public intoxication ticket. We look at the racial demographics of voters in the 2022 election and find out who voted how in the U.S. House Speaker's race, as well as a preview of a very busy January calendar. In business, we look at why the Palmetto State was one of the top moving destinations for some Americans in 2022 and break down one of the worst years for the S&P 500. In medical, we have a COVID roundup looking at the latest research and a study that asks the question, if politics can kill you. And so my present to you in this new year is that I'm talking this entire episode. Yes, unfortunately, there are no long clips. In fact, there are no clips. I'm sorry, Ben Davis, but this, I will tell you, is the calm before the storm, folks. We're going to have some hefty news events over the coming days, so enjoy my dulcet tones. But we would have some clips in this episode if people would call, too. We need you to call us at 803-563-7169 and tell us what your New Year's resolution is for 2023. We need to know, folks. What are you doing? What's your advice? I am a ship without a captain right now until you give me some advice for 2023. What should I be doing? How should I be approaching things? Let us know. Leave your name, where you're calling from, and your advice for 2023 at 803-563-7169. Now, for the latest in South Carolina, currently the spread of COVID-19 is medium according to county-level data from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. For the week ending December 24th, there were 9,574 cases of COVID-19 reported. That's up 17% from the week before. There were also 10 deaths, bringing the total since the pandemic started to 18,834. On average, 606 South Carolinians were hospitalized with COVID-19 and 76 were in intensive care. Currently, 53.8% of eligible South Carolinians are fully vaccinated. Pivoting to the flu, it remains widespread in South Carolina through the week ending December 24th, according to DHEC. The agency reports that the number of lab-confirmed tests and number of those hospitalized with the virus has decreased. So far this season, there have been 42,914 cases and 63 flu-related deaths. That's far above the five-year season average of 10. So wash your hands, folks. Cover your coughs, stay home if you're sick, spray down your cell phones. Just be smart, folks. We're almost, we're kind of, we're turning a page here. Stay healthy out there. It's 2023. The lead needs you. All right, let's start off our politics section by looking at Beaufort Republican Senator Tom Davis, who was ticketed for public intoxication early on New Year's Day by Lexington police. The senator who chairs the Senate Labor, Commerce, and Industry Committee is also familiar to you if you guys are listening to us regularly because he played a key role in stopping the restrictive abortion bill from getting through the Senate, which last year passed his medical marijuana bill, another big piece of legislation we talked a lot about and will this year. Now, Senator Davis released this following statement saying, quote, I'm ashamed and embarrassed by what happened last night, and I want to say I'm sorry to my family and to my constituents. I'm not going to deflect or excuse this mistake. 
Instead, I'm going to learn from it and move forward with a greater sense of responsibility, quote. Davis said that he was at a gathering where alcohol was consumed and realized moments after he left that he should not be driving. He reportedly pulled his vehicle into a nearby parking lot, disengaged it, and sat in it for over an hour. A Lexington Police Department officer later approached him and ticketed Davis for public intoxication. Davis said that he cooperated immediately, fully, and completely with the officer. He was not charged with driving under the influence. Now we're still waiting on some more details to this story. Moving on, the state newspaper crunched data from the State Election Commission and found that turnout among non-white voters in South Carolina's 2022 election was the lowest in a generation. This low turnout helped incumbent Republican Governor Henry McMaster defeat Democrat Joe Cunningham by 17 points, the widest margin in a gubernatorial race in 22 years, according to the paper. This was because fewer black voters, the backbone of the state's Democratic Party, cast ballots like they have in elections prior. The newspaper continued to report that only 390,000 non-white voters, roughly 35% of those registered, cast ballots in the midterm. That's a nearly 20% drop in non-white voter turnout compared to 2018, despite the fact that 170,000 more non-white residents were registered to vote this year. Tyler Jones, a senior Cunningham advisor, told the paper that he acknowledged the underfunded campaign had been forced to make tough decisions, but expressed no regrets about where it had allocated its scarce resources and rejected the notion it had neglected or failed to appeal to black voters. Jones said, we had two choices. We could try to win this race, or we could just try to get 42% to 43% and call it a day. We were going for a victory, and that means persuading voters. It means winning independence and getting enough Republican crossover voters to win. The paper also noted that Georgia, North Carolina, and Louisiana also reported major chasms between black and white voter turnout rates. It will be months before conclusive national data on racial differences in voter turnout is available, but the early findings point to tepid black turnout being a national phenomenon. From one election to another, Tuesday was the first day of the 118th Congress, and the focus was on the House Speaker's fight among Republicans who now hold a slim majority in the chamber. At the time of this taping, Republican members of the South Carolina delegation were split on Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy's candidacy, which failed on the first ballot, with only 203 votes, far short of the 218 needed. This is because the fractured Republican caucus had 10 members vote for Arizona Republican Representative Andy Biggs and nine vote for other candidates. 5th District Republican Representative Ralph Norman has made his displeasure toward McCarthy well-known and is one of the five in the Never Kevin block, which also includes Representatives Andy Biggs of Arizona, Matt Gates of Florida, Matt Rosendale of Montana, and Bob Good of Virginia. On the first ballot, Norman voted for Biggs. South Carolina Republicans Jeff Duncan, Russell Fry, Nancy Mace, William Timmons, and Joe Wilson all voted for McCarthy on the first ballot. Assistant Democratic leader Jim Clyburn and other Democrats backed New York Democrat Hakeem Jeffries, current leader of the House Democratic Caucus, with 212 votes on the first ballot. At the time of our recording, the second ballot vote was underway. Now, this vote came days after the House gave final approval to the $1.7 trillion omnibus bill by a vote of 225 to 201 on December 23rd. Democratic Representative Jim Clyburn voted in favor of the package that boosted domestic and defense spending, while all Republican members of the South Carolina delegation opposed it. And let's take a moment to look ahead. 
We expect to be getting the governor's executive budget on Friday of this week, so we'll have more details on what he's proposing in Saturday's podcast, so stay tuned. Now, again, this is not just a tease, but it's also a budget proposal when the governor tells lawmakers what he thinks should be the priorities for spending next year. And it's based on budget requests made to the executive budget office. Regardless of the proposal, the House Ways and Means Committee will begin crafting the House budget next week when lawmakers return to session on Tuesday. The Budget Writing Committee is under new leadership with Greenville Republican Representative Bruce Bannister steering the committee, which has an extra $1.3 billion to budget with this year. On Thursday, the state Supreme Court will hear arguments involving the state's 2021 death penalty law that makes the electric chair the state's default method of execution since lethal injection drugs are no longer available, and it also created the firing squad as a new method. A state trial court ruled against the law in September, and the appeal is before the state Supreme Court at 11.30 on Thursday morning. You can find the stream on SCETV.org. Also on our calendars, next Tuesday, like we said, January 10th is when lawmakers gavel back into session, and the governor's inauguration is on Wednesday, January 11th. We'll be live, folks, 11 o'clock, January 11th, on South Carolina TV channels, South Carolina Public Radio channels, and our social media platforms. Well, let's start this business section off with some numbers, after we do the numbers. 2022 wasn't the best year for financial markets. In fact, it was the worst year for the benchmark S&P 500 since 2008. Not a good year, 2008. Maybe you graduated college in 2008 and had a hard time finding a job. But overall, according to the AP, the S&P 500 posted a 19.4% decline for all of 2022. That's about $8.2 trillion in value, according to S&P Dow Jones indices. Now, this is the S&P's third annual decline since the financial crisis of 2008, when the S&P 500 plunged 38.5%. So definitely not as bad as 2008, half of it, if you will, but uh, still not great. And a painful reversal for investors after the S&P 500 notched a gain of nearly 27% in 2021. This according to AP. Stocks struggled all year as pandemic stimulus was withdrawn and inflation put increasing pressure on consumers, while central banks raised interest rates to fight high prices. The Fed's key lending rate stood at a range of 0% to 0.25% at the beginning of 2022, and then closed the year at a range of 4.25% to 4.5% after seven increases, which I think we told you about every single one of them last year. More hurt is on the way. That's because the U.S. Central Bank forecasts it will reach a range of 5 to 5.25% by later this year, with no rate cut projected before 2024. Now, energy prices were also hard last year, including oil, which closed last week around $80 a barrel. That's about $5 higher than where it started last year. But in between, oil jumped above $120 a barrel. So, A lot of fluctuations happening in 2022. Hopefully some smoother sailing this year, but that's one prediction I am not going to make. We're going to move on by talking about moving. Oh, that was good. That was really good. 
North American Van Lines in its annual migration report found that South Carolina was the top destination for its customers moving in 2022, with 66% of inbound customers. That beat out North Carolina, which had about 64% of inbound migration. The South continued to dominate the map in terms of inbound migration, while places like Illinois, California, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and Michigan were on the move out. The moving line says that the increasing cost of living is a consistent reason that people provide for their move. Many are actively seeking affordable housing, which they can't find while living in their current residence. North American Van Lines also said that having your residence in certain states requires you to pay a higher income tax than what you are liable for in others. Something that the two top outbound states have in common is that they have some of the highest taxes in the country. Additional driving factors for moving to another state include the desire to have a higher quality of life with access to nature and family. With the expanded opportunities for remote work, many are exploring lower cost living options because they are no longer bound to one location. One of the driving forces behind this trend is the continuance of remote work. After numerous companies implemented this structure during the pandemic, workers realized they could successfully fulfill their work obligations away from the office. That's a reason why Raleigh and Charleston were the top two cities folks moved to. We say welcome. We say keep listening to the lead. We brought you here. Now you gotta listen to us. Yeah, we're taking credit. <laughs> you can listen to the lead anywhere. I don't care where you live. But uh, for our Patreon listeners and our South Carolina listeners, <laughs> you get a little bit more. Let's start off our medical section with a look at how COVID is going after we do a quick look back. That's because an estimated 14.83 million excess deaths occurred during the first two years of the COVID-19 pandemic globally. That's 2.74 times more deaths than the 5.4 million reported as a result of COVID-19 for 2020 and 2021, according to a new World Health Organization study published in the journal Nature. India, Russia, Indonesia, the United States, Brazil, and Mexico suffered the most estimated deaths due to COVID-19 during that two-year period. The Johns Hopkins Center for Health Security newsletter reports that U.S. CDC data show that while about 69% of the U.S. population has completed the primary two-dose vaccine series for COVID-19, only about 14% of people aged five and older have received the updated booster. According to recent polling data from the Kaiser Family Foundation, many people are unsure about the benefit of the updated COVID-19 vaccine. But two new studies published in the CDC's Morbidity and Mortality Weekly Report show that the updated shots provide substantial protection against illness and hospitalization, particularly among seniors and including among people who had received two to four shots of the original monovalent vaccine. The studies used data from a period during the predominance of the Omicron BA.5 subvariant, which the bivalent booster partially targets. Now, the US FDA recently authorized and the CDC recommended bivalent boosters for children down to six months of age. Now, let's look at long COVID. Johns Hopkins Center for Health Security reports that the disease contributed to 3,544 deaths in the United States from January 2020 through the end of June 2022, 
according to a recent report from the CDC's National Center for Health Statistics. Now, we're talking about long COVID, and these deaths were identified using data entered on death certificates in the National Vital Statistics System. It's a methodology that could lead to an undercount, the report's authors and other experts cautioned. The majority of long COVID-related deaths occurred among non-Hispanic whites and older individuals. An estimated one in four people with COVID-19 experience long COVID, which includes a complex constellation of symptoms, such as breathing problems, heart issues, fatigue, and cognitive and neurological issues that can last for several months or longer or appear months after acute infection and can affect virtually every organ system. Now, there is no agreed-upon definition for the condition and no diagnostic code for the condition existed until October of 2021. Though knowledge about long COVID has improved over the past several years, and the U.S. government in early 2022 launched the National Research Action Plan on Long COVID, people impacted by the condition and their clinicians are urging more federal efforts and funding to support research, care, and education on the condition. Some experts warn long COVID could critically impact the nation's economy and productive capacity in the short and long terms. Now, we try to keep politics separate from medical these days, but we all live through the pandemic and we know that's not always the case. But it did prompt one question. Can our toxic partisan political environment kill you? Question mark. The Washington Post reports in one study, researchers concluded that people living in more conservative parts of the United States disproportionately bore the burden of illness and death linked to COVID-19. The other, which looked at health outcomes more broadly, found that the more conservative a state's policies, the shorter the lives of working-age people. The Post says that Harvard researchers analyzed data on COVID-19 mortality rates and the stress on hospital intensive care units across all 435 congressional districts from April 2021 to March 2022. They also examined congressional members' overall voting records, how they voted on four coronavirus relief bills, and whether the governor's office and legislature of a state were controlled by one party. Sounds a bit like South Carolina. The study, published in December in the Lancet Regional Health Americas, found that the more conservative the voting records of members of Congress and state legislators, the higher the age-adjusted COVID mortality rates, even after taking into account the racial, education, and income characteristics of each congressional district, along with vaccination rates. COVID death rates were 11% higher in states with Republican-controlled governments, and 26% higher in areas where voters lean conservative. Similar results emerged about hospital ICU capacity when the concentration of political power in a state was conservative. Welcome to the wind down section, our little break from the news. We talk about life during the pandemic and we want to hear your stories as well. Boy, do we. Tell us how 2023 is going. <laughs> Give us some advice for 2023. We are lost at sea here, folks. And I know maritime law. Yeah. And this so, is so disconcerting to me. Oh, you don't want to see him like this, everyone. I mean, <laughs> you don't want to see him like Tell this. Tell us what you got for Christmas. He's lying down as he should be, but he's thrashing. Okay. <laughs> it's been a lot to record this episode. And we got new microphones in the studio. We're back in the studio, folks. AT is I, he's mobile enough to join us in studio. I would like to say that I walked into the building yes. Yes, he did. Ah, yes, you did, King. It. It, go off, King. Uh, it took a lot. <laughs> it, it was very slow. It wasn't that fast. slight incline, really. Yeah, it, uh, you there. he 
you feel it a lot more. Yeah, no scooter. You're you're freewheeling right now. <sighs> yeah, I am unencumbered. I'm I'm less machine than I was before mm-hmm. now. Love uh, to hear it. Yeah, it it is great. A uh, great start to the new year. Oh yes, Gavin. But <laughs> I want to start this off. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! With an update about myself, there's something I realized about myself. Okay. Oh. So, one of my friends, uh, anyone that knows me, okay, you know, at what does it stand for, Gavin? Always no, there. No, it stands for Andrew Thomas. Oh, you want me to actually answer? Yes, it. you okay. knew that. Yeah, too, no, and I, I know that you knew that. Yeah, sometimes I say Andrew, just you know, like a like a Andrew. Andrew. Were you ever an Andy? Never. My dad's an Andy, so oh, okay. I was never an Andy. There you go. Anyway, so. I got a, an invite to my friend's wedding about three years ago addressed to Anthony Shire. Ooh. And I thought this was funny. Like, mm-hmm. he thought my name was Anthony. It wasn't. Uh, and that went away. But then this year, my, my sister-in-law sent me a Christmas card addressed to Mr. and Mrs. Anthony Shire. Oh, God. And then I realized something. Mm-hmm. I have BTE. I have big Tony energy. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. Is that a Bitcoin? What's I, BTE? I have big Tony hey, energy. Yeah. Everyone thinks I'm Italian just because I'm from New Jersey, you know? Sure. And so I understand that. But do people think that AT stands for Anthony? Just well, straight up? A lot of people don't even know that your name is AT sometimes. And then uh, I don't think that they, maybe some people don't think it means anything. Maybe Anthony. I, but I, I do think I have uh, the aura of a Tony. Uh, no? Uh, I mean, yeah. Like a big Tony guy? I guess he just so, we're just so jaded by Tony Soprano. Like, I don't want to <laughs> loop you in with Tony Soprano. He's a good guy, no? He goes to therapy. Yeah. He's, he's just, way ahead of his time. Yeah, we're all there for that. But, like, he's just, he was just, I don't know, he's just not my favorite character <laughs> on TV. Um, big Tony, you have big something energy. I think you have big AT energy. Sal? Is it Salvatore or something like that? <laughs> I would just say big Italian energy, right? Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, I, I definitely do. And I, I'm not going to fault anyone here on out if, if you just call me Tony. I'll, I, I might answer. What about you, that, Gavin? What do you, uh, you had a big announcement happen, yeah? Yeah, so... Um, this was great for me. One so. of my brothers uh, is going through um, a physical recently. And he discovered while doing some sort of eye test, mm-hmm. which I don't know the entirety of <laughs> and its credibility, but found out that he has some sort of partial color deficiency. Yes, which it, is which, colorblind. Which is, <laughs> it is colorblind. But um, and it's funny. There's a test. We all did it. Me and my two brothers. We did it when we were home, and we're all like, "What are you talking about? There's supposed to be numbers there. I just see dots, <laughs> colored any, dots." If anyone knows what Gavin's talking about, it's like. It looks like colored dots. It's a circle with colored dots, and you're supposed to be able There's to see a number, number inside. It's it. like a little bit of a magic eye situation. They're supposed to just it's pop not, up. It's not. You and, just see it. <laughs> well, the dots look like a magic eye to people that have a uh, certain deficiency. <laughs> yes. Which was a very big blow for the Jackson brothers. Learning. <laughs> <laughs> Learning about our deficiency, which it's not true colorblindness, in my opinion, in terms of I can see blue, I can see green, I can see red, I can see yellow. I can see all those this colors. Is, you think. So you think. I'm aware that I can. I can so play Twister with no problems. <laughs> Simon? Called, what about Simon? It's called moderate dutan. Dutan? That was, that's what it was called. Yeah, I, I did, don't like that name. I did another test where you it actually kind of just gives you a rough diagnosis mm-hmm. to push its colorblind glasses, which I don't need, but I'd be interested to wear it to I'd, see what kind of hues I'm missing out on here. I do want to point out, too, that producer Sean, he is he's partially colorblind also. Yes. So I, do I... Uh, 
Do I at the same time have big Tony or Sal energy and attract colorblindness people into my life? Yes. I got friends with men. (laughs) Exactly. But um, it's the type of red green colorblindness that has the green cones in the eye detect too much red light. We're talking cones, not Not rods. Not green light. Yeah. So, you know. Yes. But maybe that's why we never like red. No one really wears red in our family. I don't know. My mother's anti-red. And it's funny enough, the woman is also in the same boat. She can't see. Oh. But then I got my father to do it, my Faja. My father. And (laughs) who gave me this podcast. He gave me this podcast. And I hate to speak ill. (laughs) (laughs) But that man could see it all. So we got got the defective gene from my mother. Oh, brutal. So it was very difficult for us. It was a very tough Christmas, as you can imagine. I love that. I love that. Still 2020, though. We had our. We had our gray tree up and the, the gray. You know how much I love grays and blues? <laughs> the grays of Christmas, the, the gray stockings, the gray tree. And so my mom was like, so you're, you're colorblind. You keep saying color deficient. And I said, I looked at it. I'm like, it's color deficient. It's and not it's, the same thing. It says, also known as colorblind. Yes, I love this. But, but you know, Gavin maybe was, I can't be a pilot. I never wanted to be a pilot. Anyway. Okay. Yeah, you're a seafarer. We all know that. Yeah, uh, I can see the blue water. I just, I think this. Everyone knows that there is there's the lead fashion council that you're on with Meg Kennard. I, I am. Not, and, this does not. And, this does not remove me from that I council. I think this is grounds for some sort of impeachment. Maybe. I think we could do more testing. Uh, I have a medical exemption here. I, I'd love Meg to weigh okay, in on this. Okay, listen. You know, to hear you be so ableist. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of disgusting in your current situation. Uh, you have just been you've been throwing down here uh, uh, rulings left and right here in in the council from on high and uh so I just uh I think that well, Meg needs I she's been I mean the silence is deafening from from the other member. This is all. That's all. Okay? So <laughs> yeah, so I got other people to do the test on my Insta story. I don't know. You know, it, it's fun to do. I feel like I'm still you're exploring. A person. You're you're exploring and, and learning more about. But yourself. it's yeah. I mean, it's super interesting to know these little things because when you look at, it, I'm like, what are we looking at? Dots, and everyone's like, there are numbers there. It's like, oh, <laughs> oh, 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 maybe I can't be a law enforcement officer. Either. In my mind, I just want to. Uh, Get you the glasses. <clears throat> yeah. And then I, we can do one of those videos where I film you crying, mm-hmm. seeing color, but for myself to gain the clout. You know what I mean? Like, I'm interested in I think that. it's just shades. It's really just not being able to determine shades between, it's, like, dark blue it's really, and black. It's the hues, yeah. okay? It's the um, hues. But I do want to add that, you know, we're talking about fashion. Uh, we did some shopping, some old-fashioned mall shopping IRL over shopping. Christmas yeah. break. Okay, gross. Um, it was not really my choice, <clears throat> but I was you know, with my brother and his family. Mm-hmm. And I knew Children? If, the children did not come, thank God. Oh They're God. smart enough that. Yeah. Um, but I was like, yeah, I'll go spend time with my brother and my sister-in-law and, like, you know, have a beer and some pizza and go shop. Sure. California Pizza Kitchen. Disgusting. Pe- I didn't even feel like I was at a mall. And a front. I will say that the pineapple pizza that I did consume oh my God. was delicious. Stop it. <laughs> Along with the blue moon. I'm just oh, – we're at Montgomery Mall in Maryland. Really hoity-toity. One of the better malls in the area, I will I, say. I don't know, man. And it was just – it was interesting because it wasn't as crazy. It was still very busy, but it wasn't as crazy. Is it dying? Was it in a no, death it's, rattle? It's a good, it's in a, it's a good one. It's really okay. filled up. But uh, why do people go to the Apple store so much? I don't know. It's shiny. Yeah. You know? But, like, I have a phone. You can touch everything. I got a computer. I got the AirPods. I got an iPad. Like, 
I need to brags, go look. If I'm, brags. If I'm gonna get a new phone, when I go to the phone store, wouldn't you do it on the internet? That's the that's the big question. I don't me. I don't know. Oh, I'm, I'm in between this model and that model. They look and feel. The I exact, gotta hold. I gotta them. hold this. I gotta one. hold them. Yeah. I'm still very confused, but it was interesting just to shop around and to because we always talk about the death of the mall, and it's just. It's, it's nice. They're, it's very, they're going strong in New Jersey. Strong, I mean, yeah. New Jersey. You know what I mean? They, they never gave up. <laughs> but it was also Where the we day- eat real pizza. Okay. <laughs> it was the day of that freezing cold. Like we had to get home because roads were freezing over. Because yeah. the day before it rained, they couldn't pre-treat. Someone stalked us to our parking spot, which was a good sign of a strong economy, <laughs> in my opinion. The ecosystem is still thriving. <laughs> you guys, you guys leave. Anyway, uh, this ecosystem hey, needs your help to thrive. But the bitter cold, your pipes, at. I had some pipes burst only outside the house. Thank God. Okay, so where pipes it, live, it wasn't great. I had to pay for it, but it wasn't as bad as it could have been. Thank and God. I, I got to thank my neighbors who live on D- Street and. In Columbia, South Carolina, and uh, they shut off my water on Christmas Eve. So thank you so much. Good Christmas present. Great Christmas present from them. Now I owe them uh, a gift card somewhere. <laughs> anyway, this ecosystem needs your help to survive. Yes. So please call in, Gavin. Give them the number. Give them all the credits. Thank you for listening. New Year, same pod. We're still awful. Not changing ourselves <laughs> yeah. at all. See you later. <laughs> Give us some advice to help us change ourselves. 803-563-7169. We'd love to hear from you guys. New year, new you, maybe a new pod, doubt it. We're going to keep it pretty similar, but there will be some changes we'll talk about in the coming days and months. But again, thanks for listening to the pod. Show us your appreciation by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or a voicemail, 803-563-769. And you can also stay up to date with the latest news on SCETV.org and SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org. And don't forget to support your local newspapers. For the South Carolina lead, I'm Gavin Jackson. Be well, South Carolina. I'm uh, I'm letting you know right now there's no, there's no audio in this podcast besides me talking. <laughs> I have no audio. I'm talking for seven pages. <laughs>